Survive, thrive, stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. This is threats in the homeland. Now, there's a lot of stuff going all over, going crazy around the world. And that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about. But first, I want to tell you about, <laughs> I kid you not, <laughs> um, Murphy's Law. I'm trying some new things here. We actually did test this, and it worked. Um, if you have any problems, it is, I'm going to blame Facebook or Zoom. So um, there will be a replay. So when you get the replay, just fast, if you want to, I mean, I should have told people, hey, just fast forward to this point. Um, if you're not familiar, but PrepperNet is an organization that we connect preppers. We do it online through a software. We have PrepperNet Connect and we do it through meetups. And we have meetups in right now 64 cities. And I'm wait, I am actually talking, I think we have 18 on the list. Not sure how serious all of them are, but we're talking with 18 of them, um, new cities right now. And here's a list of the cities. There may be one near you. They're in no, they're in random order. Actually, they're in the order that I actually put them in a spreadsheet. So um, there's the cities we're currently in. And you can go to Meetup and just type PrepperNet and then change the distance. And you can you can see all our meetups just listed down through there. And they're listed on PrepperNet.com as well. So I um, just want to show you that. I mean, we got them. We're growing big time. Um, when the week that um, I, we bombed and killed the guy in Iraq, I think we had... I think the final count was like 700 people join PrepperNet.com. Don't know where they came from, but they did come. So um, one other quick announcement is Prepping Academy podcast is back. Kyle is risen from the, no, he hadn't. Um, I didn't kill him. Everyone thought I killed him, but he is back. We have put out, I think, three podcasts. We're recording one tomorrow morning. And but he's back, and everyone seemed to like Kyle. I can't stand Kyle. He, um, but no, I'm just kidding. And, and then Tenderfoot, my other um, co-host, he'll be back on as well. So, but just catch Prepping Academy. Just it, you can see all the little logos there. We we may or may not be on all of them. I'm not sure. I just thought it was a lot of different places. Definitely iTunes. Another special announcement is a week from tonight because all the health things going on we're going to have a live broadcast and hopefully it goes better than this um hopefully we will actually um get things right but guess who's going to be back dr bones and nurse amy will come back next thursday night it's going to be every question answered we're gonna we'll stay on here as long as we can um but I want to show you that 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 looks like they're mean. You know, they're, they're good friends of mine. And I don't like that one. I like these two better. See how nice they look here? 
that's them on the left and that's I think that was up in Asheville on the right with um, doom and bloom but some of the things we're going to talk about is influenza I mean uh, the virus that's sweeping the world how to prevent it supplies you need that's going to be again next Thursday night live same time and if you want to join about 9 15 i'll probably have everything right i'm just kidding <laughs> but we're going to have them on live next week um i'll send out an email and i'll post it on our facebook site as well so i hope you guys can um can make that in the following week we may even have someone else we may do this every thursday night until i get bored maybe not but tonight threats in the homeland so I have a special guest tonight. You guys, some of you guys have heard him. I've had him on my podcast. We've never done a live stream, but it, um, Steve is the founder of Alerts USA. And if you don't know Alerts USA, you've, you haven't heard me in a podcast or a video before. I love Alerts USA. I know our city leader, Michael Klein. There's so many people that talk so great about Alerts USA. And what it is, it's a texting service of um, that you get on your phone long before uh, the, the normal news media picks, picks it up. And so um, I just want to, and I'm going to bring Steve on right after this, but I do want to show you this is um, if you look, these are some of the agencies that actually use alerts USA to get information. The justice department, department of state, department of Homeland security, all the military branches, they subscribe to Alerts USA because it is a great service. And the last thing I say before I'm going to bring on the man, the myth, the legend is this. And this is not what this is about. I promise. I We want to do this. And then I thought, well, we do have a special discount for her. this is not I am. That was not the reason to bring Steve on. It is for to because we do. I'll let you know we do. Prepernet makes a little bit of money on this. It's an affiliate, but you can save twenty four dollars if you go to that URL. That was actually an afterthought. And when I showed this to Steve tonight, he's like, "Oh, oh!" And then he was like, "Well, that's not anyway." So he was kind of surprised, but that was not the reason we did this. But anyway, with all that said, let me see if I know how to unmute Steve here. Um, this technology, man, unmute. Hey, Steve, you there? I am. Awesome. I hope I, I'm sure everyone can hear you. We got tens of millions of people online listening to us right now. <laughs> Gulp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, people in this chat room are saying, yeah, Alerts USA is great. I'm a subscriber, great service. Um, they do an awesome job. That's just the four that I'm looking at right now. So Steve, if you don't mind, first of all, and you know, we go back and forth about this, but I need you to pronounce your last name. And then as you do that, tell us how you have found it, Alerts USA, and then a little bit of, of your profile, and then we'll get into some real issues of today. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> first, I graciously appreciate the opportunity to come on chat with you again about uh, current events 
what's taking place around the world and so on. Um, let me give a little background on the company. So Alert USA, we're an 18-year-old company. We were started just a few months after 9-11. Uh, and the reason the company was started was when the first plane flew into the first tower over the PA system of the second tower. Most everybody didn't, unless you were facing out and saw the plane approaching, few people really knew what had happened in the second tower. And they were told to that there's no reason to evacuate. And so a lot of people perished as a result of that. And um, some friends and I, we were uh, in discussions of this afterwards. We, it stood out pretty broad that there was a, uh, a big void in information services that, uh, you know, it, terrorism attacks were starting to increase in tempo and so on. And uh, we thought now's the time to launch something like this. So put our heads together started from a prone position and stood up an alert service. And what we do is we monitor the world for threats against the U.S. as well as incidents of national significance. So um, uh, terrorism threats, warnings, advisories, travel alerts to major international destinations, incident notification, and we'll, I'm sure, visit with a bunch of these different examples um, uh, during the course of our discussion. And what we do is we we monitor all this 24-7, 365, and when something is breaking, some incident takes place, uh, some federal agency uh, puts out a, an alert or warning, we send information direct to your mobile device via SMS messages, and then we follow up each of those SMS messages with a corresponding email because it's easier to put the meat inside of an SMS message, but then we can ex dramatically expand on the details inside of the follow-up email. So you get the information that you need quickly. And if you want to follow up and you can just look at the corresponding email that comes out. And most of the time there's something extra that's in there. And so I'll use as an example, uh, over the last few days, we've had several alerts that have gone out regarding the situation in China. And the last one being uh, that there's, I believe it's eight cities now in China, uh, there's travel restrictions. In, in essence, they've locked it down. All surface and air transportation is shut down in order to uh, try and uh, minimize the, the spread of the new coronavirus. And so this is what we do. We operate 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And as you've shown on some of the, um, the previous slides, we serve each of the branches of the armed forces, a number of federal agencies, a number of state, county, and municipal agencies, and a slew of just average citizens that want to know what's going on, but you just don't get information like what we put out through the mainstream media. And the stuff that does come out, it's very rarely comes out in a timely fashion. And so this is essentially what we do. Uh, my background, I've spent... Uh, Prior to launching the company, uh, spent quite a few years working for the Department of the Navy, Department of the Army, uh, different elements of the intelligence community. And so I've been able to leverage that background into what we're doing now in terms of forming up relationships with the different agencies from whom we get information that we then propagate out to the customers. And that brings us to today. So 
you do a lot and you get a lot of information out. Um, I've never, I've always, the only complaint I've ever heard is that sometimes you'll publish things that they'll never see on the national news. Well, I went to the news and they never said anything about it. And I remember an incident and I, and I always bring this up. I was actually at, I think I was at Heritage Life Skills in Waynesville, North Carolina. And you sent out an alert about a um, CME hitting the United States. And the New York stock market was kind of shut down. Chicago had some problems. There were power outages. And I told everyone there. And everybody looked at me like, what? What? Are you crazy? And come to find out, no one had it on the nightly news. They just had the power outages. And it took about a week and a half for actually that news to come out that they thought it was from a, a CME hitting the United States. Do you remember that? I do. Another really good example <clears throat> that uh, um, has caused temporary uh, tensions with people is uh, during the Fukushima crisis, prior to the meltdowns, our subscribers found out two days in advance that there was going to be meltdowns and at least one of the reactors i'll have to look back and see if we had it down for two but at least one and the way that we found out was that uh the japanese government uh was in touch with the state department in order to be in touch with the nrc and the department of energy and then we found out through the state department that uh they had lost control of the cooling functions and there was no way to recover that. And it was just merely a matter of time. So we put that out to our subscribers and people were just whining, you know, why isn't anybody reporting this? And so I just give it time, give it time. And lo and behold, two of these things cook off. So, right. Yep. Okay. So but um, we tend to, we, we tend to be one of the things that we, we don't, we tend to be very cautious about what we put out given who we serve um, a lot of the stuff that the information that we handle, the information that we put out, it's, um, uh, it's often mission critical. And we would rather be slow in putting something out, but accurate, as opposed to um, uh, mishandling the information, being sensationalistic, something like this, which in turn just uh, causes a loss of trust right. in the product that we put out. So, Okay, I got one complaint. And on this list, it doesn't show PrepperNet as one of the services that su subscribes. So that, I mean, we got to take care of that. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Um, so let's get into um, some bulletins here lately. Um, there's been some new, um, you know, terror advisories for the United States. That's right. Help so just a few days ago, the Department of Homeland Security, and I haven't seen this anywhere on the news, but the Department of Homeland Security issued a new National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin, which goes out to the, it's supposed to inform the general public. And <clears throat> this has to do with an enduring threat from Iran as a result of the strike that we carried out on the Quds Force Commander Qasem Soleimani in Iraq. And this, uh, this bulletin 
specifically states that in the near term, we remain concerned that violent extremist organizations tied to the regime of Iran, including their various partner organizations, may continue to pose a general threat against American citizens and interests both overseas and in the homeland. Now, even though Iran is quite a, a distance away, for the longest time, we've known that Hezbollah does operate in the United States as well as throughout Central and South America. Um, previous examples of homeland-based of homeland-based plots uh, have included. Now, just last year, they arrested uh, one of Hezbollah's operatives who was scouting targets in New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. And you can find mention of this on the Department of Justice's website. Uh, <clears throat> there was an attempt to assassinate the ambassador to Saudi Arabia in 2011. And then there's been an ongoing stream of cyber-enabled attacks against U.S.-based targets. And so this alert was put out um, to just keep the public informed uh, about threats directly from those organizations or from Iran itself and not one of its proxies. But in addition, there's a widely used phrase now that it's homegrown violent extremists. And these are individuals that don't personally have any direct nexus to any foreign terrorist organization, but they're either a supporter or a follower of the ideology. And this nation is filled with people like this. And the, the Iranians are now using social media and end-to-end um, -end encrypted social media applications in order to try and inspire individuals already here in the homeland to carry out attacks. And as we cover on a weekly basis in the weekly updates that go out to the subscribers that um, this, and they encourage the people, you know, you don't need to make a complex bomb in order to do stuff like this. Vehicle ramming attacks, edged weapons, firearms. Um, Cyber. Exactly. Yep. And uh, so this, uh, in summing this up, this, uh, this National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin is going out just to try and keep the public informed, kind of try and remove the normal tendency to become complacent and not, for instance, you're going out to some large outdoor function, not paying attention to where your exits are, not paying attention to what's right. going on around you, and try and increase just the general level of situational awareness of, of the general public. I would say in the last 10 years, it, it's probably right now a scarier time just to be in America because Iran is going to attack. And there's been, you've, you've, there's, there's actually warnings of, you know, them committing cyber terrorism or just plain, like you said, you know, random shootings, driving over people. You know, and Iran knows that they don't stand a chance going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the U.S. military. There's just no chance on earth that they're going to accomplish much. They might, there might be a lot of booms. There might be a lot of people, um, especially in the Persian Gulf region. There might be a lot of mayhem there, but they just don't stand a chance against the might of the United States. But where they excel is asymmetric warfare. Everybody was waiting for Iran to come back with an attack um, uh, shortly after Soleimani was knocked off. 
And this just isn't the way that Iran works. They take their time. It could be an embassy attack half a world away. It could be something that takes place here in the country. And they're good at the small pinpricks. And as a perfect example, <clears throat> prior to 9-11, there were more deaths of American citizens carried out at the hands of Iran than by any other foreign terrorist organization. And uh, this... Um, they were responsible for, for instance, the uh, barracks bombing in Beirut, the Kobar Towers attack in Saudi Arabia. Um, and so they, they have their ways to, uh, to carry out uh, attacks against the United States. That doesn't mean going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the U.S. military. Do they have the ability to really affect us through cyber terrorism? Do, I mean, do they have the brains? They do. They do? They do. Okay. And so the inside of this matter of fact, inside of this, uh, this bulletin, uh, that it specifically states that they are capable of carrying out, um, attacks on, for instance, critical infrastructure and so on, whether or not that could be shutting down a water plant or screwing around with the dam or bringing down part of a power grid or something like this, they definitely have the capability to do this. On the other side, though, we have exceptional cyber capabilities in order to, and we've been working by we, I mean, the U.S. has been working extensively, not only at the federal level, but with um, industry stakeholders in order to secure um, uh, these, uh, these critical information systems that control these systems. And so, but the threat is definitely there. Definitely so what's, there. what's some of the targets that we should be paying attention to and on high alert when we're out in public? <clears throat> Any place, so I'll start at the very top um, and just give the broad definition for a soft target, which is anything that's lightly defended. You know, um, you could take, for example, the upcoming Super Bowl. These, uh, this is what's uh, referred to as a special national security event. Typically the secret service is the lead agency in securing the event and this, just the layers of security that go on, it's something like that. It lit quite literally is a hardened target. You just, you can't get near the stadium, you know, with automobiles, anything like that, closed airspace and all that. That's one end that, you know, you'd have to be a fool to try something because there's so much law enforcement out, people watching and so on. On the other side, uh, undefended, targets, gatherings, and so on. And so, for instance, uh, I'll refer back to the past holiday, you know, outdoor holiday markets, shopping centers, um, uh, places of worship, uh, schools. Um, in terms of critical infrastructure, you know, powers, it could be something as simple as the, the neighborhood power substation or a dam, um, a water treatment plant, uh, a water reservoir. Uh, and so, you know, it's keeping your eyes open. Most people, when they see something, their, their gut or their brain will register DLR, just doesn't look right. Something right. that falls out of the norm. And, so, um, and it, you'll start to see stuff like this if you just, if you're actually looking forward and not down at your iPhone as you're walking around, listening to tunes and so on, but paying attention to what's going on around you, you'll start to pick up on um, 
uh, the flow of the environment uh, and things that stand out on it. But in all these things, with all of the things that we are talking about, if you are going to be out in public, you're going into places, be it a mall, a movie theater, something like this, get into the habit of making sure that you identify where your the entrances and exits are uh, in every place that you're going. And remembering that the entrances can also be used as an exit. It doesn't have to have an, an exit sign directly above it, but knowing how to get out of closed spaces uh, is, is always a, a great habit to be in. So um, today, alert, and it was kind of interesting that um, they arrested um, three people from Al-Qaeda in the United States. Yeah, this is very interesting. So <clears throat> there were three guys who are known to be tied with the Syrian branch of Al-Qaeda that tried to fly into Dallas from Colombia with fake Colombian passports. And they were arrested at the airport in Dallas. Um, and it's turned out that uh, uh, there were, I guess it was a batch of passports, Colombian passports that were stolen. And these three passports that these guys were using were from that batch that was stolen. And so uh, when it was known that the, the batch of the passports had been stolen, um, everybody around is informed of this. And so if you try and cross an international border and they scan the passport and so on, you're going to get caught. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, the fact that these fellows were trying to get in through Colombia and it was known that they had prior to being in Colombia, they were in Venezuela uh, hmm. is a scary concept because the, the uh, Maduro regime in Venezuela is known to harbor and work with foreign terrorist organizations. In particular, talk to any federal uh, law enforcement agency uh, or law enforcement agent um, and ask them whether or not the Hezbollah threat in Venezuela is real. And, <clears throat> and they'll, they'll give you a, a, a big debrief with a smile on their face. It's very real. As a matter of fact, um, uh, the former head of the House Homeland Security Committee uh, recently made some statements to this effect that uh, this is one of the most significant threats to the U.S. homeland is uh, uh, Hezbollah that's operating down in South America. And uh, they're known to also work with the Mexican drug cartels in different um, revenue generating activities, the money from which is then turned and sent back to their larger umbrella organizations. And so this isn't uh, this isn't pie in the sky stuff. If somebody, if your listeners were just to go to Google and type Hezbollah in America, Hezbollah in South America, you'd find oodles of information to uh, quench your quest for knowledge about just how significant this threat is. Yeah, it's, um, again, it, I think it's one of the scarier times that we've, um, dealt with, I hope this, um, let's see, um, that we've dealt with in years, year, um, and so, and China is going nuts over there with a virus. Tell us, tell us what you know about that and what's going on and how, and also after you sum that up, I mean, 
what, what what's America going to do? What's the United States plan? I mean, you 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 chat with these guys all the time. So hit us up. What's going on? So yesterday I had uh, an extended conversation with a fellow by the name of Dr. Stephen Hatfill. Now this is this conversation was it was a recorded conversation with him that will be coming out in this coming weekend's issue of the, our Threat Journal newsletter, which is a free giveaway. Go to ThreatJournal.com, sign up on Saturdays, you get the newsletter from us. We also do a podcast. And this conversation with Hatfield, he's, a, he's an American physician, virologist, and a former biodefense bio researcher for USAMRID, which is the United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Uh, his medical fellowships were at Oxford University, National Institutes of Health. He's a leading researcher in Ebola, Marburg virus, monkeypox. He's absolute top shelf virologist. And we were talking about uh, the situation over in China. And he's nervous about this in that um, just like Ebola, when you have human populations that live in close proximity to a lot of wild animals and those wild animals are actually part of the diet of that, um, that culture. You're going to have diseases that jump. And just as for instance, uh, with the Ebola virus coming from, I believe this last outbreak was traced back through to fruit bats, which is considered a delicacy in Guinea and some parts of Sierra Leone, uh, they're still trying to figure out where this particular coronavirus came from, but it's believed to possibly be tied to either bats or snakes. The SARS virus came from the, uh, uh, the civet cat, which is considered a delicacy in China. And anybody that's been to Southeast Asia, China, <laughs> Taiwan, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, they have what's called wet markets. And so you go into these wet markets where you can pick up super fresh vegetables, but you'll also have a variety of different animals that can be butchered in front of you and you walk out with a, the parts in a plastic bag. And when you have tons of people that are going through these things, all these different types of animals that are being butchered up, people handling the meats back and forth, um, and so on, it's just a very unsanitary environment and it's a, uh, it's a Petri dish for strange... Uh, 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 diseases to, uh, to emerge from. And so uh, the, last, the last alert that we sent out, as we mentioned earlier, it's, uh, I believe it's eight cities now uh, have been, uh, all surface transportation and air transportation has been shut down in order to try to minimize the spread of it. One of the big problems with this uh, the coronavirus this time through is that it's happening right at the start of the Chinese Lunar New Year celebrations. And this is uh, particularly scary in that Chinese New Year is the largest annual migration of human beings on the planet. Uh, during last year's celebrations, it's estimated that 2.2 billion trips were made by automobile 400 million by rail and 73 million by air 
to different points around the globe during Chinese New Year. I mean, literally the entire Southeast Asian world shuts down for at least a week. And people go and gather with their families, big celebrations and so on, big public events. And this, uh, given that the uh, virus is uh, um, appearing to be uh, quite highly infectious, uh, they're worried about it uh, being spread extensively, not only within China, but around the globe as the people then start to head home. And because it's got an incubation period, you don't start to become symptomatic for about a week minimum after you've been infected. Hmm. And so uh, uh, public health departments across the United States and around the world are kind of cringing right now. Uh, the World Health Organization is in scramble mode trying to figure out uh, how to marshal up and get the the health departments of the nations around the world to be working together to screen passengers that are getting onto planes prior to them getting on, screening passengers that are getting off the planes, uh, trying to route air traffic through to major hubs. And so for instance, earlier in the week, it was announced that the US is screening passengers um, coming from China at five different airports in the US, which are Seattle, LAX, San Francisco, Chicago, and Atlanta. And they'll be setting up, if they haven't done it already, um, thermal cameras that just watch the people flow by. And if you're running a fever, you're going to stand out. They'll pull you to the side, interview you by a public health official, um, and try and just uh, get people before they get on the plane in a closed environment with the dehumidified air. But how does that work when it takes days for some of the symptoms to show up? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, the big challenge is once somebody in the early phases of um, epidemics, once somebody is identified with a virus, they then start to do contact tracing where, okay, where did you go? Who have you been in personal touch with? And then they go out to those individuals in those locations and continue to spread out doing contract tracing until they can identify everybody that had been potentially exposed and they can monitor them. And that's what they did in Washington. Uh, the gentleman there, I think he's around 30 years old. They've got, if I, I don't remember the number, it's in the- 200 team. people. Two, in quarantine? Not I in thought, quarantine, but there's in 200, people, 200 people that he came in contact with. Dang, I, I know- and, in, they have almost 20 in some kind of isolation or something. I remember that. And then the last, and then I'll let you, one more thing is in Texas, there's a person that they think, or they're suspicious. They're looking into that. He may be have it as well. Actually there's three. Oh. Uh, there's one in college station okay. and then there's two closer down to the border and they're monitoring the people right now. I, you know, the testing on this is uh can be done pretty quick. And so I don't know if they're, uh, uh, they're just withholding the information or waiting for the person to become more symptomatic. But, uh, and you're talking about a, a disaster. I mean, let, a pandemic, if, if this spreads into states after state after state, people will stop sending their kids to school. People will stop going to work the economy will slow down. There's a lot of, if 
things that could happen if this gets a little bit out of hand. <clears throat> it can have a serious impact on just like in the things that you, um, uh, that you mentioned there, these types of interventions are the way that epidemics and pandemics are dealt with. It's the most effective way is isolation, you know, um, to keep people from gathering in crowds, which means that, you know, it, and it is what it is, you know, if it starts to spread in the country, then you might have to pull the kids out of school for a while, or uh, maybe not go to church, where it's all huggy huggy, you know, handshakes and so on. And but um, you can go to prepper meetings, they, they're safe. <laughs> you know, they, they call these things um, non-clinical interventions. And uh, this is the the less pushback that people have towards stuff like this, and the more that they heed if directives like that are given out, you know, if it, if it can be done, then this is what uh, ultimately allows public health authorities to get on top of the problem. But uh, there, if it does start to spread widely in the U.S. and you have a lot of people that are going down with um, respiratory infections where you need to be hospitalized and potentially be on a respirator, this is where we really start to run into a problem in that beds or hospitals only have so many beds and hospitals have only so many respirators. And uh, hmm. once they fill up, then problems start. Even in the, the strategic national stockpile of medical equipment and so on, the DHS and everybody has put together over the years, so on, doesn't come close to meeting what the needs would be in a pandemic type of situation. But is our health organization, is it ready? I mean, we, have, we haven't had anything like this in years and years and years. But 1918 flu was the last big one. Are we ready for, I mean, it seems like we, we would be as a nation, as a government, more prepared. The, the answer to your question is a resounding no, we're not. Now, the fed, at the federal level, there's been significant amounts of money and effort put into, um, for instance, getting the strategic national stockpile of medications and medical equipment and all that stuff put together. Uh, um, there's been a lot of um, training that has been given, a lot of money that's been given to local municipalities and so on, but that's where the weak links start to show up is when you start to get down to the state and local level, uh, getting these, uh, the different municipalities to be able to put together local plans where the different municipalities are working together, being able to rely on each other. Um, that's where the things really start to fall apart. You know, the federal government, they can push a lot of equipment out there and so on, but if the people on the local level aren't dealing with the, the equipment and the resources um, uh, correctly and in a planned out manner, uh, then you know, you're going to have a lot of people that are suffering. And unfortunately, that is the current state of affairs. Matter of fact, Steve Hatfield talks about this at detail or in detail in the podcast this weekend. He's been, uh, he's got a fascinating new book that's out right now. It's available on Amazon and that's called Three Seconds Until Midnight. And it looks at the history of pandemics and the, the woeful state of preparedness for one in the United States. And this is a, a pretty substantial book. Uh, 
and it's written with two other leading authorities. Um, but it, it's, it, again, the title's Three Seconds Until Midnight. It's well worth the read if you want to uh, uh, better understand pandemics, the way that they're dealt with, and where we stand as a nation right now in being able to deal with it. Okay, so I saw in China um, this evening that they were blocking cities, the roads, they were blocking the trains, they were literally going around these cities, which millions of people in, and 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 not letting anyone in or anyone out. In America, that would be, I mean, people would die. I mean, people would get their guns out. I mean, it's just, I'm not sure America could ever do that. I'm not sure. I mean, that would be, could you imagine if you're on your way home and they're blocking the city so you can't get to your house? because they're quarantined these people as a city they're closing the city. That is nuts. Yeah. I can, um, <clears throat> I can't see you doing something like that with, for instance, Chicago or Detroit or LA. Let's say that you have, you know, um, a massive outbreak of something, you know, in, I can't see you doing it with a large metropolitan area like that, but I can definitely see this taking place. For instance, um, the municipality within which I live down in Texas, uh, we're a community of approximately 10,000 people. And I know because there's basically two ways in and out of this town um, that uh, if the threat was great enough, the sheriff down here would easily have this town sealed off, not letting anybody, you know, um, law enforcement on both the bridges, you know, and that would be that until the situation passed. But in larger municipalities, uh, it would be particularly challenging to do that. And see, American Americans, we love our freedom. We're not going to stand for that. We're going to get out of Dodge, and they're not going to let us. Um, see, but again, I think that, again, all of this, this goes back to the situation with the, the um, preparation of the, on the local level, that if, all this really is, this situation, is a sales job. If the public health officials and the community leaders are communicating the, the absolute need to be able to do this with the, uh, the local residents, um, not throwing a bunch of BS, just being straight with the people. You know, this is a highly infectious situation. We've got to slow down the movement of people coming into this community and potentially infected people in the community getting out. This is why we're doing it. Um, most people are pretty reasonable to stuff like that. Uh, uh, but it's when you, when you don't share the information and uh, try to dictate in situations like this, this is where you're going to run into headlong into a wall. Right. Okay. Um, so as, as preppers and, you know, homesteaders, survivalists, we should have some of these, well, some prep, we should have food. One of the first things, if, if, if a community knows that the virus is spreading in their, in their, let's say, you know, if it's Dallas, Texas, one of the first thing people are going to do is go to the grocery store. They're going to go to the drugstore and they're going to start buying the things that they think that their family is going to need. Milk and, and bread. Yeah. In <laughs> case this gets worse, they're going to buy the N95 mask. I'm not even sure if N95 would, I guess it would stop these, 
the, the virus. I'm not sure about that. That's a Dr. Bones and nurse Amy next week. We'll ask them, but um, they're going to, people are going to start doing that. They're doing this in China right now. And uh, I was looking at some reports and people lined up. People were, you, you mentioned the fact that people were in China were at the hospitals by the, I mean, around the quarter just to get into the hospital. Yeah, you know, this would be an interesting exercise for those that are listening is to go to Twitter and type in the hash symbol or the pound symbol and the word coronavirus and hit the return button and then start to look at the images and video that's being posted from people in China, in Wuhan and in Beijing and in Shanghai and the pictures of the outsides of the hospital where you've got thousands of people lined up with masks, uh, people fighting, people, you know, on the floor, people passing out inside of the hospitals. Uh, uh, and you'll see that what <clears throat> what's being, the information that's coming out is very different than what we're being told by federal and international health authorities. Um, you know, for instance, they were saying uh, this evening that uh, I think it's like 860 confirmed cases <clears throat> in China. I'm sorry, that it just, that when you see what's online in the imagery and the videos in particular and what's happening outside of the hospitals, it uh, makes that swallowing that story just a little bit, um, a little bit difficult. I don't think the headline news has been project, uh, um, having numbers that high. I remember just, I mean, at like six, the some of the numbers were like only like 40 some people have died nationwide from this or something. Is that correct? And you're saying it's a lot higher? Uh, much higher. So let's see. At 4.13 this afternoon, I sent a uh, an SMS message to Dr. Hatfill, who I was just discussing. Chinese government just raised um, their official number to 830 infections and 25 deaths. Okay. And that's just China. Um, they, they've got confirmed cases in Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Singapore, Australia, Canada, the U.S., um, suspected cases in Mexico. There's confirmed cases in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think a couple of European nations uh, have people under observation that, um, that they suspect may have it. So it's already starting to reach on the reach globally. And, and the problem is just like the dude in um, Washington state, you said he was in contact with 200 people before they, he really, they knew what he had. Well, <clears throat> the contact tracers say that they have thus far identified 200 people with whom he has had contact. And there's probably a lot more, you know, if he, any public transportation going into any public place, you know, going into a Starbucks, for instance, um, you know, while you're viral shedding, um, touching different surfaces and all that stuff. Um, so there's probably a lot more. Okay. You know, on this, I, I need to be really clear that we're not at any point at an alarm state here in the U.S. Um if we start to see a lot more cases, then it's start time to start being ultra concerned. And we may in fact get there, but right now 
people just need to be paying attention. Uh, like you were talking about earlier, some, you know, acquiring some basic preparedness items, which are good to have around the house anyhow. Get some N95 mask, get some nitrile, uh, some surgical gloves, the nitrile gloves that you can get, you know, six bucks, you get a box of a hundred of them at Walmart. Um, consider some of the Hibiclens liquid soap that uh, in addition to being um, great for cleaning all the eebie-jeebies off your hand, it also leaves a microbial layer on your skin that continues to destroy potential contaminants um, and whatnot uh, for a number of hours afterwards. And, you know, um, uh, just start paying attention. You know, people start getting sick, you know, watch your kids really close, you know, watch the schools that your kids are in, in that if, um, if there's uh, uh, any of the kids in the schools start getting sick, get your kids out. Cause you know, any parent will tell you that the schools are Petri dishes um, and uh, the stuff, the different types of infections pass easily in there. And if kids got to be pulled out, the kids got to be pulled out for a few weeks. That's, you know, <laughs> Yeah, uh, this just I forgot my friend Charlie Hogwood just wrote a book about a pandemic it is it was an awesome book book number two is coming out soon but you guys look up Charlie Hogwood it, it's a um, it's a um, fiction book but he wrote the book on survival groups but it's on a pandemic and how it starts in in one city also my friend Robert Bradyatsky um, I think it's the first book you can look up. It's a r it's a dot r Bradyansky, and he talks about a pandemic that starts in my neighborhood, which is weird because he wrote the book before I met him, <laughs> and it it happens within a mile of where I used to live, and all the scenes are right around the Charlotte area. It's really it's really good. It's it's very he really gets into the vulgar scene and not the vulgar, but the, just the, you see everything. If a guy's head gets shot, he, he details it out for you, but great book series as well on pandemics. You know, if I could address the alert USA subscribers uh, on this. So we, we are watching, we are in touch with federal and state health authorities across the U S uh, we have, uh, um, we have, excellent means to be able to keep up with these different groups to find out the truth about uh, any U.S. cases that are taking place. And you folks will probably be some of the best informed in the United States. Uh, no hysterics, uh, just uh, when new cases are identified in the U.S., confirmed in the U.S., we'll for sure let you know um, so that, uh, you know, if it's happening in your community, um, that you'll know to, you know, peak your, uh, your situational awareness. And uh, for those of you that aren't Alert USA subscribers, give it a whirl. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an excellent way to stay informed uh, and far better informed as if, than if you are just paying attention to the broadcast media, which is uh, uh, just it's not even journalism anymore. And plus it's not their job to report on stuff like this. Um, news agencies, they are in the, their business is selling advertising. The mechanism through which they sell the advertising is something that they call news. 
but every story is selected and crafted in order to draw the biggest audiences through which they're then able to charge the best premium for their advertising time. And uh, uh, if you look at the mainstream media like that, this is what's going to dictate what they're covering. And so right now with the impeachment thing that's going on right now, that's tending to draw pretty large audiences. And so you're not getting a lot of coverage on things like this. Right. Yep. And, and guys, this, I mean, just think this is the scariest time, the most alert time we we've had in years. I, I'm, I'm being serious with the things going on with Iran is going to possibly you know, send out some terror cells or attack the U.S. We got a pandemic right in our backyard. I mean, I'm not saying that this is something we should get excited about, but this is some of the things that we've prepared for and we've talked about for years. And all of a sudden, it's been kind of calm on the home front of USA. And all of a sudden, boom, some things are, are happening. And, you know, our government you know, you know, the, the, the shift show up there, it's things are kind of getting a little interesting within in, in an election year at that. You know, and adding to this, um, <clears throat> so we were talking earlier about the, um, the national threat advisory system bulletin that was sent out for the general public. So there's a completely different set of alerts and advisories that go out to law enforcement. And, um, uh, just in the last few days, the Department of Homeland Security, FBI, and the National Counterterrorism Center issued a joint intelligence bulletin to law enforcement warning themselves that Iran could directly or through proxies and partners carry out attacks in the homeland, and they're urging vigilance on, to law enforcement. Then you have the National Counterterrorism Center, which was warning law enforcement agencies nationwide that police and emergency services remain key targets for terrorists, including by luring them into ambushes. And there's a number of instances where that has in fact taken place. One instance in Philadelphia uh, a couple of years ago was uh, pretty, um, pretty significant. They made a call in, a uh, cruiser was sent and when the officer starts to pull up to the scene, the guy jumps out and starts unloading into the police car. And so the law enforcement and other first responders, they're being advised to, and those who are uh, first responders and so on, you can very easily go to your command and ask that they start to retrieve these bulletins from the Department of Homeland Security and FBI and National Counterterrorism Center uh, and so that you can read them and read the recommendations that they provide in there uh, in order to minimize your risk when you're rolling up onto a scene. Um, and I strongly encourage all law enforcement, doesn't matter how small of a town you might be or how large, if you're not seeing these bulletins, these joint intelligence bulletins that are coming out from DHS, FBI, and NCTC, you're really um, behind the curve in terms of uh, understanding what's going on out there. And so I would encourage everybody to reach out to their command and say, you got to start getting these things. Um, so, 
Yeah, and that's where your, I mean, your service, and again, this was not to be a sales thing, but it's just the truth of the matter is your service gives us alerts long before the news organizations. Now, sometimes you'll do, you've done a couple that, that and you start out with the alert going, well, rumor has it, or we've heard, or. I don't think we've ever used that word rumor has it. Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. Not rumor has it, but you have, um, you have released, I remember one, it was a month, it was a couple months ago. And then you retract it, the, the actual statement that's, that happened one time. We, we have, um, (laughs) we have adjusted. Okay. Adjusted. Okay. What we've reported. So for instance, um, we always try to low, so we always try to lowball stuff. If we know for a fact that six people have been shot in some incident that we've reported on, we'll say four. Um, or if you know, we always try to lowball stuff because it's you, it's it's okay if there's an upside right. to figures like this. It's not okay if it has to be dramatically reduced. And sometimes our sources are wrong in terms of um, like casualty figures and things like that. And in those instances that were wrong or that the figures were incorrect, we're always happy to, um, to adjust uh, what's been sent out so that uh, our customers have the, uh, the correct information. But I think in the 18 years that we've been in operation, I probably couldn't count the number of times on two hands that we've ever done that. So, because we tend to be, we're, we're hypersensitive and hyper careful in, in verifying our information prior to sending out all the alerts. Okay, so we got a virus coming. We got Iran ticked off at us. We got Al-Qaeda members were arrested in America. Another one that we sent out, if I can jump in here. Yes, go right ahead. Uh, so U.S. military installations across Europe are on high alert due to intelligence pointing to a potential imminent attack on military persons stationed in Germany. So we were tipped off to this by um, a source in the um, in the Department of Defense, and it's believed that this was tied to Iran. So <clears throat> there's that one. Alert USA customers were informed of that. Um, another one that really you know that kind of it's kind of deviates off the track of all that we've been discussing so far, but. Uh, the listeners may have heard about the big um, gaping security flaw that was discovered in Windows in the last week. This is a this is pretty interesting. So this um, this vulnerability in Windows was discovered by the National Security Agency. Very rarely does NSA come out and reveal when they find um, holes and bugs like that. You know, as a because you know it's to their their best interests in their overall mission that they keep it quiet and they use that to for instance exploit the computers of our adversaries Um, this one was bad enough that they actually informed the department of homeland security who in turn um, informed microsoft uh, and uh, microsoft then produced a patch and so if you're using literally any version of the windows operating system uh, it's well worth the time if you don't keep 
your, the patches on your operating system up to date. Look into this most recent vulnerability. And if you're using a vulnerable um, version of Windows, patch it. Let me, let me go one step further. Get a Mac. <laughs> I'm just saying, once you go Mac, you'll never go back. Yeah. Get yeah. a Mac. Why are you using Windows? It's crazy. Anyway, that's my two cents on that. No, I, I agree with you, you know, but um, uh, there are uh, tens of millions of people in the United States and uh, hundreds of millions around the world that are just as passionate about the Windows operating system as you are about the Mac. And they need to be sensitive to this, um, this uh, flaw that's been discovered in it. Oh, yeah, they, well, they're, yeah, I must be, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. So uh, I was, I was expecting you to say something. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everyone knows I'm a Mac guy. So let's see, is there any other, let me see here on my notes. Um, oh, how about the police officers? Aren't they in there some threats against like, um, um, if I remembered, um, you know, they're soft targets you know, our first responders, our policemen. And I would think that they, I would, if you're one of them, I would be on high alert is what I'm saying. And every situation you go in, because they want to instill terror in everyday life. And I, did, did you not send something out about that? Or am I just making that up? Yeah, we just covered that. Um, oh, okay. It was a bulletin from the National Counterterrorism Center. Warning okay. law enforcement that police and emergency services remain yes. key targets for terrorists, including yeah. by luring them into different ambush situations. Yep. Okay. Um, and then how is this, the wildfires, are they going to affect U.S. at all in Australia? The smoke is apparently reaching around the globe, but uh, uh, I would think that we... I, I can't imagine that it's going to impact us um, anything more than something possibly being in our air. How about um, Charlotte? North it's in Carolina. a different hemisphere, right. uh, quite a distance away. And uh, I would be amazed if even the smoke made it up to the United States. But. Well, how about Ground Zero, Charlotte, North Carolina, for the GOP convention? Wasn't that and a we... beautiful thing, man? You know, just every law-abiding armed citizens getting together, standing up for their rights. Uh, no major hassles whatsoever. Uh, watching the left just, you know, come unglued um, that it went as peacefully as it did. <laughs> right. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I was talking about the, the Republican National Convention is coming up and the elections are coming up. But they're, And that's going to be in Charlotte, the Republican um, Convention. And I, we expect chaos here. I really do. Yeah, think about what um, <clears throat> actually federal, state, county, and municipal law enforcement agencies across the U.S. are, um, they're consciously aware of potential for violence in the run-up to the next election. Uh, if you think about what hangs in the balance, so if President Trump uh, wins another term, he's likely to have one, if not two, Supreme Court seats to fill. That in turn brings 
some of the core uh, pillars of the left under threat. For instance, abortion. You get another two conservative judges on the bench there, abortion's gone. And um, <clears throat> it's just a matter of time before that, um, if we get more conservative justices um, on the Supreme Court, that will be one of the major uh, uh, changes that we will likely see brought before the court. And um, then there's uh, the ongoing, you know, if we get, if the Republicans are able to capture both the House <clears throat> and the Senate and the White House, <clears throat> uh, you're going to see rapidly the wall finished on a southern border and loads of major changes to U.S. immigration policy. These are just two examples of the things that hang in the balance with the next election. And uh, it's expected that there's going to be a lot of violence in the, the closer that we get. Violence at political rallies, demonstrations, um, and just the normal uh, crap that goes on at the different political conventions and all that. And so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just more to uh, keep on your radar. Yep. Well, um, is there any other topics? If, if not, I just want to just, I'm going to just kind of wrap things up about as, as um, the, before, before I do do that, any other things? I mean, so we've, I mean, there's a lot of things we need to have our eyes open to and understand that a few of these things could really affect us with our plans and our provisions and, you know, some of the, I mean, cause we're all preppers here that, that we've been thinking about for years. They're, they're right at our doorstep. And if you haven't, like you said, if you haven't got some provisions, you need to start doing, doing some work, but any more news or anything else you want to share before I kind of go on a little rant about people having supplies? Well, this is, um, <clears throat> all of this is a, uh, with the current threat environment facing the country, not only from Iran and the flu or the, um, the coronavirus uh, uh, political tensions and so on, but there's, uh, as was demonstrated today in Dallas, uh, Al-Qaeda is still a threat. Uh, they are still intent on carrying out attacks in the homeland and against U.S. citizens and interests abroad. Same thing with the Islamic State. They're still pretty angry. While we, with these groups, while we have been extremely effective in diminishing their ability to carry out um, uh, complex attacks overseas, uh, the conditions that allowed for these groups to arise in the first place uh, still exist. And their ability to harness social media in order to try and inspire followers uh, here in the homeland to carry out attacks. Uh, these are all still, it just adds to the complexity of the environment that we're in. Where I'm leading with this is that uh, for the men out there, this is an absolutely ideal opportunity to be faithful, strong leaders for your families, keeping them informed, um, keeping them safe, uh, and all that. And, uh, that's um, good because I thought you were going to say, go out and buy a gun. 
No, I was just, it's, <laughs> this, is a, this is an absolutely ideal time for men to, you know, and the guy, the people that would be following your group anyhow, they are real men, you know, they, they you know, the, the, the giving forethought to caring for themselves and their families and their well-being and all that stuff. But this is just an absolutely ideal time with all of this different doom that's in the air to be phenomenal, loving leaders of your families and um, uh, well, telling know, them, you know, exactly what's happening, but, um, you know, engaging them and pulling them into the process of uh, preparing and so on. And um, it's just an ideal opportunity to uh, demonstrate manhood okay, let by me, doing these things. You're being nice. Let me, let me say it. Um, and because I know your heart too. It is time to know who you serve. It is time to know that the Lord, who the Lord is of the earth and tr put your faith in him. We, I talk about that, my faith on here all the time, but it is time. It, it, and it is, it's time to, for families, for us to step up. We got to protect our families. We're called the Bible. You know, I'm a Christian. The, the Bible says, if I cannot take care of my family, I am worse than the unbeliever. So being a prepper and putting provisions back and standing up for your family and carrying a gun to protect your family, that is a, that is, we are called to do that from the scriptures. It, I mean, we're worse than the unbeliever if we can't take care of our family. And that also means protecting our family from diseases, from viruses, from every, every, everything that we can think of. I am in charge of my family. It is my responsibility. And you know what? I take on that responsibility and it's, it's, it's a heavy burden because I love my family and as we all do. And so, um, that that's just the truth of the matter. So, um, yeah, I'm a little, yeah. And the truth of the matter also is that for whether you're married or you're single, the ladies gravitate towards leaders men that are leaders and so on. So, you know, in addition to doing what you're supposed to be doing, the ladies also really like it too, when guys step up <laughs> into a leadership role. And um, yep. Yep. So thank you for, um, yeah. Thanks uh, for being on the opportunity to come on and chat with you. Um, uh, any time that we can, any way that we can find to, for our organization to interact with yours, and so on to help further your mission in what you're doing. All you got to do is reach out and ask. And well, you've been a good friend. We've, we've, you know, I've dropped the ball a few times on some thing projects we were going to do. We've we're carbon-based life forms, man. Everybody yep. does it. Yeah. And we, you know, I've connected you with people and you've connected and it's been a, a, a good relationship and I appreciate your friendship and I like getting that text before the whole world. Oh, well, actually, that's never happened. But the, <laughs> the, the bomb is coming. See, if I could get that like three minutes before everyone else, that would make me feel really special, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but Steve, thank you for coming on. Guys, I have the link up there again. If you want the alert, you'll say again, this, you know, if you, whatever we i don't care um but i do want to make sure you guys do know that next thursday um is um dr bones and nurse amy is going to be live with us 
and um, you know, the last every time we seem to get together on on the internet, it lasts. I finally have to tell them, okay, I've got to go because they love talking and answering your questions. But that's next Thursday. Sorry we couldn't do it quicker, but we will be on um, uh, next Thursday. Oh, and by the way, they do have a great podcast. They just posted on Facebook on our page about viruses. You can get a head start and maybe listen to that of, of um, how to protect your family, medicines you may need, items you may need. And we're going to talk that in great detail next Thursday, but I haven't listened to that podcast. I think they just posted it today or yesterday, but um, go check that out. If you can't, I think it's on our Facebook site, on our Facebook page. And if it's not go to, you know, um, your podcast software, whatever you use, it, it's there, I'm sure. And that's doom and bloom, by the way. You know, the, the, there is a link on your website, on the PrepperNet website to the Alert USA. Oh, yeah. Page. I've posted. So I've instead posted of trying that. to pull it off the visual from this, this, uh, right. the visual side here, just go to PrepperNet.com and you'll see the link there. Yep, absolutely. For that's Alert USA. So, hey, Steve, thank you so much for joining us and sorry for the, we practiced this and then, I mean, I told people that we'd practice and it worked great. And then when it was time to go that's why i i don't know why i had the murphy's law in there it's all good brother have a <laughs> okay. good night yes you too thank you sir okay guys um i'm gonna wrap this up so we you know you need food you need some medicine you need some n95 masks go down to i mean you should have this in your preps this is prepping for a pandemic is not very expensive N95 mask, you can get an entire box for probably, I'm thinking $20, $30. I'm not sure. It's not expensive. So the, the, the gloves from Walmart, from different places, 12 bucks max. But I would get some, some plastic, like paint plastic, some duct tape. Uh, you can also get the, um, I think they're called Teflon, not Teflon, uh, Tyvex, Tyvex suits. Go ahead and get this. I mean, it, you can get all the stuff I'm talking about for less than 100, 150 bucks. Grab that, have it in your your in in your stash. You might not need it this time. One day you may, but that should be in your preps. We're going to talk about that in great detail next Thursday night um, with Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy. It's going to be at the same bat channel, same bat time, um, and chat it up on um prepper facebook share so that's it guys you guys are awesome and i hope this was beneficial and you guys take care we're out thanks for listening to the prepping academy podcast preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com